I know that, uh, especially in a church our size, whenever something like this happens, right, and there's some possible tragedy that, and unknown, right, things that are out of our control, it's easy to uh, let that kind of take over. But I think in this moment, what we need to do is continue to pray and let faith uh, be our guide and, and just trust that God is going to be with the Cantrells and do our best to carry on. Um, I would say that I probably know them a little bit better um, than the rest of you, and, and they would be, I know that they would be upset if they thought we were fussing over them in this moment. But uh, still having said that, um, they're near and dear to my heart, and so many of you have already built strong connections with them. And so uh, we're going to choose faith. We're going to choose to trust God in this moment and trust that He's providing and and taking care of them in this moment. Uh, and we're going to dive into the Word, and we're going to let the Word change us, and we're going to let the Word uh, mold us and shape us because, um, as so many instances show, um, you never know when, when something could happen and, and um, your time is called. I'm not, that has not happened. We, we know nothing. I want to be clear about that, but I'm just saying um, that we get one shot at this, right? And so uh, as far as life is concerned, becoming uh, the best we can be and the most Christ-like we can be, I think is, is what we need to focus on in the time like this. And so we are going to continue to push through and, and plug through with our service today. We are in week two of our series, A Believer's Humility, and we're looking at the advancement of the gospel. Now, last week, if you remember, we discussed how as Christians, our only option is to choose humility. Make no mistake about it. Humility is a choice. Humility is also an action, and humility is a practice. It requires practice to make it perfect. Humility starts with seeing ourselves as servants, right? Today, we speak deeply about how remaining humble is the choice that we must make in spite of our circumstances, with the understanding that our main goal, right, the reason we live the life we live, the reason we make the choices we make, is to advance the gospel. As a believer, there is no room for self-adoration or, for that matter, self-pity. We're going to be in Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 1 still. We're going to be in verses 12 through 17. So you can follow along on the screen with me or in your Bible app or uh, if you have an old school book, you know, the thing with the covers and the paper and the ink, uh, you could follow along in that type of Bible as well. No judgment here. Verse 12 says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What is Paul talking about in, these, in this sentence? Well, as I told you last week, he actually wrote this letter from prison. He was imprisoned in a Roman prison. Uh, what Paul is wanting them to understand and see uh, is that through humility, we are allowed to see life's tragedies as learning opportunities. I'm going to say that a different way. Humility allows us to see life's tragedies as learning opportunities. You see, Paul wanted to teach the Philippians an uncomfortable truth that with God, there are no accidents. With God, there are no accidents. He can take any circumstance and he can use it and us to advance the gospel. Prison, death, divorce, addiction, infidelity, mental illness, you name it. God can take what has happened to you and use it to advance the gospel. Am I saying that God has caused all of these things that have taken place in this world? No, I am not. 
But what I am saying is that God does not allow there to be an accident in your life, that he will take these things that have happened to you, things that we would consider tragedies, things that we would rather have not happened. And if you will be humble enough, if you will allow him to, he can use you in that circumstance to reach the world for the advancement of the gospel. And I personally find that to be one of God's many miracles that God can take the things that have happened in our lives that were meant to break us, that were meant to, to bend us, that were meant to turn us away from him, that were meant to separate us from him. He can take those things and he can actually use them not only for our betterment, but for the betterment of the world around us. You see, God can and will use the things that you look at that say, this, this makes me not perfect, this, this makes me broken, this makes me shameful, this makes me not worthy. He can take those things if we are humble enough, and he will allow us to use our struggles as an opportunity to reach the world. Paul didn't allow his turmoil to end his ministry. He just allowed it to make his ministry change course. Does that make sense? Paul did not allow his imprisonment to say, well, I guess my ministry's over. He said, well, I guess I've got to change some things up. I guess I've, I've got to go to a different playbook. And this is made clear in verse 13, where it says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You see, the Romans imprisoned Paul in an attempt to stop the spread of the gospel. He was working in Rome. He was building up the church. He was advancing the gospel. He was sharing the good news. People were believing. It, it was catching on, right? The spark was lit, so to speak. And so the Romans imprisoned him in hopes that, that, that they would extinguish that spark that was lit. But Paul took what was meant to destroy his ministry as an opportunity to impregnate the Roman government. Remember last week we talked about how it would have been custom for Paul to literally be chained to a Roman guard all day long. They're sharing shackles. You're not getting anywhere. You're not getting out of here. You're attached to me. You're going to have to kill me and then drag me around if you want to escape, right? Well, Paul said, okay, you're going to be chained to me. Guess what? You're going to hear about Jesus. I got something to tell you. And so every day the guard changes out. He gets a new guard. And what's he doing? He's telling them about Jesus. Hey, if you come in contact with me, guess what? You're going to hear about the Lord. That was Paul's decision. And so not only in the community is, is this religion now taking on, not only in the community are people starting to see Christ and starting to believe, but it's happening inside of the Roman government as well. In the Roman centurion guard, they're starting to believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 14 explains to us that Paul's imprisonment actually worked against the Romans in the other way. Look what he says here. He says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I'm going to read that again. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. The Romans wanted to extinguish the gospel, but all they managed to do was fan the flames. All they managed to do was fan the flames. People were encouraged by Paul's situation. But here's the thing. They weren't encouraged just because a situation took place. It wasn't that Paul went to jail and all of a sudden people were like, well, that seems good. We should 
share the gospel too. No, it's, it's how he handled the situation. It's how he continued to act out in faith. It's how he continued to choose humility and to look at how he might advance the gospel and not make his imprisonment about himself. Every single one of us has a story. Every single one. Maybe you handled the situation like Paul with humility and grace beyond comprehension that brought glory to God. Maybe you handled the situation like Job whose grumbling and lack of humility actually got him in trouble with God. But I've since seen since that time God's providence in the situation. I'm not going to lie, that's usually where I find myself. Love to say that I face hardship and trial and tribulation and I think God's doing a great work in me. <laughs> right? That would be fantastic if that was my go-to. And hopefully one day as I continue to perfect my faith, as God continues to change and mold me as a person, I'll get there. But if I'm being honest with you as your pastor, I'm not quite there yet. When things go wrong, my first inclination is to be like, why me? Why? Why? I, I didn't, I don't like this, right? I don't like this. I don't want this to happen. Why is this happening? Why me? Why, why did God choose me? Don't make me better, you know? Don't, don't stretch me. Don't mold me. Don't break me. Don't change me into something new. I, I feel like I'm okay how I am. Just, just please, not this. We all have a choice in those times when we're facing situations like this. We can be the ones who, who grumble and complain and cry out and whine and moan. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place to express grievance with God. But I am saying that the better choice is to approach these situations with humility and graciousness as we try to, to think about how we can use our situation and our scenario to make those around us better, to help those around us see God. We all have a story. Here's where humility comes into play. Humble Christians will share those stories in an attempt to tell others. But humiliated Christians will hide their hopes, will hide their hurts in hopes that the shame will remain hidden. We're going to be in one of those two camps. Humble Christians will say, I'm going to tell my story to people, not because it makes me feel good, not because I want to relive it, not because of any specific reason other than I was cast into the fire and I came out refined. It made me stronger. It made me better. And I want to use my situation to help maybe them avoid this situation or to help grow their faith or to help make them stronger. But humiliated Christians will hide their hurts because they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. And their hope is that the shame from their failures will remain hidden. God, I need you to listen to me on this. God has already declared you victorious. Satan declares you broken. Hear me? God has already declared you victorious. Satan declares you broken. Which one are you going to listen to? Which one are you going to listen to? Believe it or not, 
Humility allows you to choose the victory. Humility allows you to choose the victory. It is pride. It is pride that will lead you to choose the brokenness. It is pride that will have you listen to Satan's words. All that matters. All that matters. All that could ever possibly matter is that people find the God you know. That's all that matters. And that's what Paul understood. That's why he's able to write such a letter from prison. Because all that matters is that people know the God he knows. There is no such thing as perfect in the world that we live in. That was Christ. He came, he walked, he was perfect. He died on a cross, he's in heaven now. There is no such thing as perfect in this world. Why do we as Christians hold ourselves to that standard? I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to do things the right way. I'm not saying that we shouldn't always do our very best to follow where God is leading. I'm not saying that we get to use this as an excuse to sin. But so many of us sin and refuse to show ourselves any grace, grace that has already been given to us by God. And we allow that sin to define us rather than what God can do with that sin in our life. Again, he has already declared you victorious. I believe that with my whole heart. That if you can find some humility and you can accept God's grace, he can take all of the things in your life that were meant to embarrass you, that were meant to break you, that Satan meant to harm you. He can take all of those things and he can use it for his good. But it all comes down to who we are going to listen to. And unfortunately, too many of us choose to listen to Satan in those moments of failure rather than to hear God's voice, which says the victory is yours. It was won on a cross. No, you don't deserve it. There's nothing you could to deserve it, but yet it is still yours. Welcome to grace. There's no such thing as perfect in our world, which is why God uses imperfect people and imperfect means in this world to advance the gospel. And Paul understood that probably better than most. Let's look at verses 15 through 17 as we finish up. It says, it is true. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am in here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Humble Christians put the advancement of the gospel before anything else. You see, in other letters, what Paul did in instances like this, when people were preaching a gospel that was not true, he called them out on it. He called them out on it. But in this instance, and it is significant, he's not saying that the gospel they were preaching is wrong. He's just saying that their motives were in the wrong place. They were preaching the real message of Christ. Some 
in his support and some hoping that they would cause trouble for him in prison. That, hey, if this really caught on, if the, the, the flames were really fanned and it caught on like wildfire, Paul would be severely punished. Paul might even lose his life. But yet they were still hearing about a very real Jesus and a very real God. In this instance for Paul, it did not matter what their motives were. People were hearing about Jesus. How does this apply to us? I'm going to tell you. Sometimes as pastors, as churches, as people, we get real competitive. We just do. We count cars, or at least I count cars in other churches' parking lots, and you can average about two people per car, just usually, maybe three if it's, and you can try to figure out how many people are there, and you can figure out how many people you had, and you compare a little bit, and you can see everything we're doing, you see everything they're doing, you think, well, our stuff's cooler, right? I know none of you would do this, but sometimes I'm a little competitive. I don't even know if my motives are always in the right place. I mean, there, there are some, you know, butts and seats are a pretty good, usually a pretty good uh, barometer, a measuring tool by how well and healthy you are doing as a church. Not always, but usually. Okay? So I'm not saying that there's necessarily ill will in that, but we just get real competitive. My church is better than your church. My way is better than your way. In and of, our, in and of itself, w- when people start to behave this way and think this way, there's not a, a lot of humility shown in these instances. But we have a chance to show humility on the reverse side of these instances. If we can be a people, if we can be a church, if I can be a pastor who says, as long as you're hearing about Jesus, as long as you're building a relationship with Jesus, as long as you're following the way, as long as you're submitting your will to God, I don't care if you're at church at James River or a local gas station, I'm just glad you're there. Because we, all Christians, are the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter if they're meeting in a thumbnail or an eyeball as long as they are part of the body of Christ. We have a chance to say in these times where for whatever reason there's just some infighting and if you think it doesn't exist, just get on Facebook whenever there's like a religious post from a church and it's just like... And it's... (laughs) Telling people about Jesus, buddy, great job, right? But we have a chance to approach life with the humility that the disciples approach life with. It wasn't about who was preaching. It wasn't about who started the church. It wasn't about where they were preaching from. It was just about people hearing the gospel and getting to know who Jesus was. As long as the message is true, Christ is preached, and the grace of God is shown, we win. We win. 
And that's the only competition as Christians we should be worried about. That God gets more than Satan. That's all I care about. That God gets more than Satan. Will you join me in using your story and using those things that make you feel ashamed and using those things that you think makes you less than or broken? Will you join me in using those things as God's victory so that you can partake in advancing the gospel? We have a real opportunity as a church and a community that is exploding to pray, to disciple, to seek. Will you join me in choosing humility and saying, God, not what I want, but what you want. Not my way, but your way. Use me, use my life, use my failures and all of my faults for your victory. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now, today, and Lord, again, we just want to lift the cantrails up to you and we want to pray for them and we want to pray for their health and we want to pray uh, for their safety and for peace for their family. God, that you would just bring them out of this situation whole. God, we, we pray for each and every one of us as individuals, uh, including myself, God, that you would help us to choose humility that you would help us to put you first in all things and to put others before ourselves, to, to, to change our mindset so that we see ourselves as servants. And God, may we hold nothing back in our life, even those things that make us embarrassed, even those things that, like I said, are, are maybe shameful or, or things that we think uh, make us less than or not as good as others things that we're embarrassed to share, things that we're embarrassed for others to know, God, may you lead us to a place of humility so that we can change the world around us. And, and God, not just for the world's good, but we know that you're working for our good too. That when we are humble enough to, to submit ourselves to you in prayer and, and to submit ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they can pray for us too, God, we are not meant to be an island. We are not. So, Lord, I pray that you would just help each and every one of us choose humility today so that we could be beacons in the world around us for Christ, so that people could see Christ through us. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Rodney, could I have you stand up back over here on the left side and, and be ready to pray? And um, Chase, I'm going to have you kind of stand up back over on this side, ready to pray if you would. I'll be here too to, to pray with you during this next song. If there's something going on in your life that you would like God to intervene in, come pray with one of us. Come pray with one of us. There is power in prayer. I'm learning that now more than maybe ever in my life. Prayer really, really changes things. And if you will be humble enough to submit yourself to the possible embarrassment of having to admit what you're going through, and if you'll give it over to God, regardless of the outcome, He will use those things in your life to bring about your victory. I firmly believe that. So now as we stand and we worship, be prayerful, worship God. 
If you need to come talk to me about having a relationship with God, about submitting to his will over your own, about choosing him as Lord and Savior, by all means, do that today. Otherwise, let's just stand now and let's worship the one who deserves it.